In today's episode, I'm going to reveal my top 15 board game artists. Now, unfortunately, I can't communicate illustrations into an audible sensation, but we will be talking about why I love these particular artists, what are my favorite games of theirs, what is my favorite art of theirs, and what games do they have coming up. My name is Nick Murray, and this is the Bitewing Games Podcast. I submit that evocative art is one of the most powerful tools that a board game publisher can possibly use. Just think of how much effort it takes to muster your desire to play a good game that is ugly compared to a good game that is gorgeous. What makes me hungry to play an unattractive game like El Grande, Castles of Burgundy, or Puerto Rico? I have to stretch and strain my memory as I struggle to grasp at slippery ideas such as clever mechanisms and interesting strategies. Contrast this with Scythe or Inish or Root, I simply have to look at a box on my shelf or a painting on my wall or a picture online and I'm already salivating at the idea of playing them again. Evocative art not only enhances the experience, but it sweetens and strengthens the memories too. End quote. This was a quote from a blog post I wrote many, many months ago called Tabletop Taste Number 7, Sweet Evocative Art, which you can find on our blog at BitewingGames.com. Now let's be honest here. Board game artists don't get nearly enough credit as they deserve. Designers are acclaimed for the gameplay, publishers are mentioned for the production, but illustrators and graphic designers are the ones that breathe life into mechanical husks of cards and boards. The success of a game can often soar or plummet, on the wings of its art direction and visual execution. And it's about time we celebrate some of the great artists who consistently knock their handiwork out of the park. This list is not ranked in any particular order, nor is it scientifically sound. It's simply one gamer's favorite 15 artists. That's me. So for any who disagree with my selection, I suggest you pay a visit to your nearest optometrist. Let's feast our mind's eye on some of the best in the business. First artist we're going to talk about is Chris Quilliams. Now, you'd have to be blatantly lying to me to have never seen any of the handiwork of the prolific Chris Quilliams. The iconic abstract game, Azul, transcends its bone-dry nature with the help of Quilliams' rich colors across a gorgeous production. Meanwhile, his Fifty Shades of Pandemic are a staple of board game stores across the world. Now, the number of Chris Quilliams illustrated games I've played amounts to 18. That's more than anyone else on this list. My favorite art of his is Azul. That box is just a thing of beauty. And the production inside is just as great. Now, my favorite game to play of his is actually Equinox, but also Camel Up and Azul. (laughs) These are all a lot of fun, very good-looking games, great family games, and all of them with a little bit of bitey, mean gameplay to them, but not so mean that you'll scare off the sensitive. Actually, on second thought, Equinox is pretty dang mean, but I love it. Some of Chris Quilliam's upcoming games include Camel Up Off Season. This is a spin-off, smaller game of Camel Up, and a much more pleasant box cover of Great Western Trail. There'll be some things to look forward to. The next artist we're going to talk about is Beth Sobel. I imagine that playing a Beth Sobel game is not unlike taking a pleasant afternoon nap in a bed of soft flower petals. Her colors radiate warmth. 
Her environments smell of fresh, crisp air, and her animals appear ready to leap out onto your table. So I've played six of Beth's games, plus a couple expansions, and my favorite art of everything I've seen from her is Fjords, which hasn't released yet. It's coming from Grail Games, and it was just kickstarted recently, but that box art is on point. My favorite game that she's contributed art to is actually Arboretum. This is a small, simple card game, but it's actually super mean. It looks like a pleasant walk through the park with all these beautiful trees, but it's it's actually one of the nastiest, most cutthroat card games probably in our whole collection, but I highly recommend it. It's a great time. As for some of her upcoming games, I mentioned Fjords. There's also Cascadia and Verdant. Artist number three on our list. Again, this isn't ranked in any particular order, but he is Andrew Bosley. Fun fact here, I now live in the same town as Andrew Bosley. I'll get him to play a board game with me one of these days, but if you know anything about him, you would accurately predict that he is a busy, busy man. Andrew has been cranking out delightfully charming Everdell illustrations for years now, thanks to the seemingly endless supply of expansions that publisher Starling Games has up their sleeves. He's also a big reason why people lost their minds when Tapestry and Siege of Runadar were publicly announced with the reveal of their striking box covers. I have played five of his games. My favorite art that I've seen of his is certainly Everdell. Uh, there's a lot to explore there between the base game and the expansions. Just a lot of really, really nice art that he's done with all the animals. Uh, my favorite game of his is Siege of Runadar, which actually I haven't played yet, but you got to trust me on this one. It's definitely going to be Siege of Runadar from Ren and Knizia, a cooperative deck building game. Um, but also, I will throw in Kalis 1303 as a newer version of Kalis. That's another one of my favorite games that he has illustrated. And as for his upcoming games, obviously Siege of Runadar is the real big one, at least on my radar. But also Skyrise from Roxley Games looks really promising. Moving on, let's talk about Oliver Barrett. Oliver Barrett only has one game series to his credit, at least on BoardGameGeek. But that is all that was needed to earn him a spot on my list. Thanks to his stylish art style, Oliver put the Unmatched series on the map in a big way. Every fighter and every deck is infused with trippy visuals where each card illustration is thoughtful enough to be its own poster. He even went so far as to make Alice in Wonderland a blade-wielding boss. Here's to hoping we see more from Oliver Barrett within Unmatched and beyond. Number of games that I played, they're all Unmatched sets, are four. My favorite Unmatched art of his is the Bigfoot deck because personally I'm a huge fan of Sasquatch, and I just love what he's done with, with making Sasquatch even cooler, which is hard to do because he's pretty much reached the, the ceiling on that one. And my favorite unmatched set to play would probably be Bruce Lee. You have to already own another set to uh, be able to play with Bruce Lee against somebody else, but he's a, he's a combo-rific beast. Also, the InGen, which are the uh, the guys that fight the raptors in the Jurassic Park set. They're super cool because they drop these traps along everywhere and can catch their opponents in them. So uh, as for his upcoming games, he has another unmatched set coming out eventually, uh, Marvel Hell's Kitchen. So that'll be something to look out for. Next, let's talk about Vincent Dutrait. On the opposite end of the credit spectrum from Oliver Barrett, we have Vincent Dutrait with over 100 different board game products to his name. Mr. Dutrait has a tendency of making his games look like timeless classics with his rich paintings and vivid scenery. One might mistakenly overlook his art style at first glance, but spend even just a little time appreciating his work and you'll quickly find yourself a Vincent Dutrait fan. I have played seven of his games, and my favorite art out of all of his games that I've seen is Whale Riders, the new release from Reiner Knizia and Grail Games. 
And my favorite game that he's worked on is actually Yellow and Yangtze, also from Grail Games and Reiner Kinesia. As for his upcoming games to look out for, there's All Tree, Canopy, and Tenpenny Parks all look quite interesting. Next, let's talk about, I'm going to slaughter this name, by the way, Xavier Gwenefi Duran. Uh, and he has a way with Asian Vistas. He's best known for his work in Tokaido. And that wouldn't be the same without Xavier's masterful aesthetic touch that turns the relaxing gameplay into a rejuvenating experience. This year we'll be blessed with even more of his work to enjoy in the re-implementation of Tokaido, known as Namiji. And so I've only played one of his games, Tokaido, and so that's my favorite art. That's my favorite game. And his upcoming game, Namiji, is the one to keep an eye out for. So there you have it. Ooh, I'm excited to talk about this one. So this next artist is Sarah Keel. And I've always enjoyed the way that Sarah Keel illustrates the Dark Cities series, which is what she is best known for. Yet with Facade Games' most recent release of this series, Bristol 1350, Sarah went all kinds of next level on us. Her portrayals of the Black Plague are both mesmerizing and unsettling in the most classy way. Can we please get more paintings like these in our board games? Anyone? Now... While I'd better keep my lips sealed on the details, I have had the chance to playtest the upcoming fifth game in the Dark City series from Facade Games, and I can't wait to see what Sarah conjures up with that exciting theme. So I have played three of Sarah's games so far. My favorite art of hers is definitely Bristol 1350, and if you haven't seen the illustrations for this game, I recommend you go check it out. They're, they're freaking phenomenal. Uh, my favorite game of hers is also Bristol 1350. And the upcoming game to look out for is the fifth one in the Dark City series from Facade Games. I believe they are planning to do a Kickstarter campaign early next year. Next up, let's talk about Ryan Lockett. Being a jack-of-all-trades, Ryan Lockett has built up quite the industry juggernaut as publisher, designer, and artist of Red Raven Games. While Red Raven Games are well known for their rich narratives, their most distinguishing feature is found in Ryan's consistently arresting art style. From the box covers down to the card backs, Ryan draws us into his exquisite worlds with an overwhelming sense of adventure. Also, did you know he's credited as one of the artists for the classic game Dominion? I didn't know that, but that's pretty cool. Uh, I've only played two of his games. My favorite art of his of all the games I've seen, though, is Sleeping Gods. And my favorite game of his is also Sleeping Gods. Now, as for his upcoming games, he has quite a few that he's consistently cranking out, either from his own designs or from other designers. These include Now or Never, Eight Gods, and Crystal Miners. Next artist is Nick Nazaro. Nick Nazaro is the only artist on this entire list whose entire credit of games I have never played. And no, I'm not counting the cool Wingspan poster that he illustrated. You can see that on the Board Game Geek store, as that's technically not a part of the actual game. The fact that he made his way onto this list without me ever trying his games ought to tell you how good of a first impression he's made with me, though. I love the way he uses striking colors with clean designs to spark the imagination. Fortunately, I'll be able to try one of his games soon enough when my Kickstarter copy of Bear Raid arrives at my doorstep sometime around Christmas. So while I've played zero of his games, my favorite art is definitely Bear Raid. With what I've seen, uh, my favorite game is going to become Bear Raid. And uh, upcoming games besides Bear Raid include Heads Will Roll, The Miri, M-I-R-I, and Electric Orchard. Now let's talk about Mr. Cuttington. Mr. Cuttington is an art studio founded by wife and husband duo Lena Cosette and David Forrest. 
They're best known for their many projects with publisher Roxley Games, including Brass and Santorini. But they've worked with many other publishers, including Stonemaier Games for Charterstone and Druid City Games for Tidal Blades and The Grim Forest. Now, personally, I think their dark, gritty brass games are their best work and the best looking industrial age board games in the entire, wait for it, industry. (laughs) And there are a lot of games in that genre, yet brass takes the cake for me. I'd love to see them do more of these gritty historical depictions. Now, I've only played two of their games, Brass and Santorini, but my favorite art is definitely Brass Birmingham and Brass Lancashire. And my favorite game of theirs is Brass Birmingham. I actually haven't played Lancashire, but I do want to play that one of these days. I hear it's a little little more tense, a little more streamlined, a little more punishing, and, and I'm okay with that. And as for their upcoming games, keep an eye out for the Paradox Initiative, which... Oddly enough, there's like a whole bunch of artists on this list that are credited on working on the Paradox Initiative. And this this weird game just has like a, a swirly box cover with no hints at what it is. And I think it's a re-implementation of an older game, which got a you know lukewarm okay reception. So I'm, I'm really interested to see why this publisher is lassoing all of these major, major artists together on one game called the Paradox Initiative. I don't know. If somebody knows more details, I'd be interested to hear. So next, let's talk about another artist, Maria Cordeaux, spelled C-A-R-D-O-A-U-T. As far as art budgets go, I have to imagine that Maria's main game, Dixit, was a very, very costly game for the publishers to make. That's because artist Maria Cordeaux created 84 colorful, imaginative, dreamlike illustrations that needed to both look amazing and function well within the art-dependent gameplay. The Dixit cards are both vague enough to be widely interpreted, yet familiar enough to trigger memories and references. Her whimsical handiwork, of course, extends beyond Dixit into many more games as well, but she'll always be known for launching an entire subgenre of illustration-focused games with Dixit. And so Dixit is her only game that I've played, uh, and so it's obviously my favorites. But she does have some upcoming games that look interesting, including the Paradox Initiative, as I mentioned before, and Box Monster. All right, now we're going to talk about Kyle Farron. Kyle Farron lit the board gaming world on fire with his nutty, eccentric depiction of woodland wargame Roots. And with each new expansion of this popular gamers game, his visual world building is the gift that keeps on giving. Yet his latest games, Fort and Oath, prove that he's not only an expert in woodland creature illustration. Fort evokes nostalgic feelings of childhood wonder, while Oath unfurls a wide empire of personalities and narratives. I could happily display a hundred Kyle Farron illustrations in my gaming room if given the opportunity. So I have played three Kyle Farron games plus some expansions. And my favorite art of his? Yes. (laughs) My favorite game of his is Oath. And some upcoming games that he's worked on include Root, the Marauder expansion, Fort, the Cats and Dogs expansion, and Void Lich, which is the next big new game from Leader Games coming probably next year to Kickstarter. Now let's move on to Ian O'Toole. Much like Vincent Dutrait, Ian O'Toole is another big dog in the industry with roughly 100 board game credits to his name. Ian has proven himself to be an expert in both gorgeous illustration and functional graphic design, working wonders to distill complex systems down to more visually intuitive gameplay. You'll typically find him cooking up more complicated Euros or cranking out another train game classic, yet his projects span the entire spectrum of games, 
from Lacerda Monstrosity on Mars to Light Breezy Unmatched Set, Cobble and Fog. I have played seven of Ian O'Toole's games. My favorite art of his is probably the Iron Rail series from Capstone Games. That includes Irish Gage, Ride the Rails, and Iberian Gage. I just love the look of those box covers and the way they evoke seasons and and just the beauty of those seasons, the spring and the fall and the summer is kind of the vibe I get from those games. And when you get them out on the table, they're just so cleanly and crisply designed with the graphic design. And they they just are flawless in their execution, in my opinion. Now, my favorite game that Ian O'Toole has worked on is Age of Steam Deluxe Edition. This is a 10 out of 10 for me. And for those of you who really love tense, interactive, punishing games, Age of Steam is, is one of the best in the business. Um, as for some of Ian's upcoming games, I think he has a million of them. But uh, some big ones include Dead Reckoning, Carnegie, Voidfall, and Iberian Gage. Personally, I'm most excited for Iberian Gage, which should be coming out any day now, I think. Next up, we're going to keep things hot here with artist Quan Chai Moria. Quan Chai Moria never fails to impress with his box art. He's the type of illustrator who knows how to get you to stop and double-take his boxes when you walk or scroll past them. If judging a game by its cover can be considered a barrier to entry, then you could accurately label Quan Chai as a barrier demolitionist. He too has been hired for many projects in the industry to the point where, believe it or not, his credits match the amount of Vincent Dutrait. I have played five Quan Chai Moria games. My favorite art of his is probably Dinosaur Island, although I've never played the game. And although I was super tempted to get it for a really long time, I eventually decided it probably wasn't for me. I still love that box cover and that, that art style. And then my other favorite art of his is Kabuto Sumo from BoardGameTables.com. This one is coming out soon. I backed it on Kickstarter and I'm super pumped to, to start pushing those Kabuto Sumos around. My favorite game that Quan Chai Moria has worked on is Sidereal Confluence Remastered Edition. He really gave the box art a facelift if you compare the two. Uh, as for his upcoming games, there's Kabuto Sumo, as I mentioned, and I would say that's one to keep an eye out for. That looks like an excellent dexterity game. And For Sale, Autorama. For Sale is a favorite filler game of mine. Autorama is essentially an updated version where instead of buying and selling houses, you're doing that with cars. And obviously it's going to look really good with Quan Chai's artwork. It also adds in a third phase to the game, which I'm still hesitant about. I don't know if that game needed another extra layer to it. It's it's pretty polished and, and perfect as is, but maybe it's great. And So You've Been Eaten, that's a pretty hot game that's finally eventually going to come out soon, I think. So those are some ones to keep an eye out for from Quan Chai. Finally, we're going to talk about Paul K. Halcyon. While I've been a fan of Paul's artwork longer than any other artist on this list, he's actually the least known artist of these 15 in the industry. That's because up to this point, Paul has largely been doing graphic design and illustration for brands and businesses in other industries. Through the years, I've loved the imaginative landscapes, characters, and creatures that he has created. Long ago, while I was in college, we both worked at a screen printing company where I quickly collected many of his t-shirt designs from a gear-spewing Godzilla on a bicycle, just riding down the city causing destruction, to a roaring bear with a hiking backpack all of which I still wear to this day. These are freaking awesome shirts. And when we at Bytewing Games were in early planning of Reiner Kniez's Criminal Capers collection, we knew that Paul would be able to bring something fresh and new to the industry. 
If anybody could concoct compellingly colorful soda brands, imagine up a world of spicy Puma Mafia characters, and devise delightful anthropomorphic investigators, it would be Paul Halcyon. Paul is not only one of my favorite artists, but he's also one of my favorite people to talk to. In a few short weeks, we'll be featuring a podcast interview with Paul, where you'll get to enjoy his warm, adventurous personality as he shares more juicy insights and lore into the Criminal Capers universe. And even sooner, on August 10th, to be exact, we'll be launching Reiner Knizia's Criminal Capers collection on Kickstarter, featuring the industry debut of Paul Halcyon's illustrations. So make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at BiteWingGames.com so you don't miss out on this wild collection. Those are my top 15 board game artists. But how about you? Who are your favorite board game artists? What are your favorite illustrations in board games? Share with us at BiteWingGames.com. You can comment on the blog version of this episode at our website and scroll through the illustrations and game art that I put on there for each of these artists. And while that's all I have for today's episode, I wanted to give you a heads up for the exciting podcast plans we have for August. That's because with the launch of the Criminal Capers Collection, we wanted to make this a big deal. So with the first Monday of August, that's August 2nd, we're going to do what we always do at the beginning of the month, Candid Cardboard. I'm going to share my first impressions of some board games, which is always a fun episode for me. Uh, The second Monday of August, August 9th, we're going to do a deep dive into the publisher diary of the Criminal Capers Collection. If you've ever wondered how a board game goes from a bland, sometimes themeless design to a gorgeous final product, this is going to be the episode to keep an ear out for. I'll be sharing our journey from start to finish, including reaching out to Reiner Kinesia, testing out many of his prototypes, figuring out which ones we wanted to publish, and then shaping and molding them into the Criminal Capers collection. This will be a very timely episode because the day after this episode goes live will be August 10th, the launch of our collection. And the following Monday, I'm going to publish an interview with Reiner Knizia. I've already recorded this episode, and it was a lot of fun having this discussion with Reiner. And we don't just talk about soda smugglers, Puma Fiosi, and Hot Lead. We also get into some nitty-gritty details about some of his classic games, as well as some of his hot upcoming games. So for those of you who are Reiner Knizia fans, this is definitely one you don't want to miss. The week after will be the interview with Paul Halcyon, as I talked about in this episode. That's August 23rd, and you would be surprised to hear how much lore and thought went into building the world around this Criminal Capers collection. There's a lot of cool Easter eggs in here that Paul's going to share. On top of that, he's just a really interesting person to listen to, so I think that'll be one to keep an ear out for as well. As for the last episode of August, August 30th, I have no idea what that's going to be right now, but it is going to be good, I can promise you that. So we can look forward to an exciting month of episodes in August. My name is Nick Murray, and you've been listening to the Bite Wing Games Podcast. <laughs>